The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. And now, here's Brandon. Happy holidays and welcome back to the Brandon Peters Show. Today we have a doozy for you as it features a discussion of the 1978 CBS airing of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Bold enough to endure that conversation with me is our guest, a musician, the host of the Brassy Broadcast, co-host of Beauty and the Gee, and the head broad in charge over at the Brassy Broadcasting Company. I'm honored to have one of the premier voices in the podcasting industry, Jen Eads. I am thrilled to be here to talk about such a fine piece of television history. Hashtag my Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> a fine, <laughs> yes. Uh, a, yeah, a very fine piece. But welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you. Very Thanks. Happy I'm excited to, to, to hop into this conversation. Yes. I've wanted to like collaborate on podcasting for a couple of years now, and now it's finally, it's time, you know, it's just a perfect landing spot. So let's talk about you for a bit. You launched your Brassy Broadcasting Company back in 2012-ish. I think I left, I left my nice, comfortable, inside, safe corporate sales job at okay. about 2012, and right. then figured out what I was going to be when I grew up. And landed in podcasting. Perfect. <laughs> I, I feel like you have this full quadrant experience with your thing. And being a musician is definitely a part of things I see from you in promoting your podcasting, talking about it uh, on your social media presence, I, I guess. But so that that obviously goes back much further than your podcasting yes. is, you know, most people learn that early in life or whatever. So where does that journey begin with you as a musician? Well, in about 1977, 77? Hmm, oh. about the same time Star Wars came out, I started piano lessons. Oh, there and you go. then that was the constant ever battle with my parents to practice, practice, and then I didn't. But I decided in about the sixth grade, I was going to play guitar. So technically, my first sales job was convincing my parents to actually get me a guitar because they'd been down the road with the piano lessons. And that was failure and a battle. And somehow I, I demonstrated that I would do this and stick with it and like have just played ever since and just absolutely fell in love with music from that point. Yeah, and you're, yourself a song, or like you feel like you come up with songs like a lot. I'm starting so. to. I think it kind of it kind of goes and comes and goes in mm-hmm. spurts. But I've really over the last probably month or two actually sat down when an idea presented itself and kind mm-hmm. of fleshed it out and didn't just wait for more inspiration to strike or put it in the graveyard of ideas in my notes app on my phone or those, yes. you know, five second recordings of, oh, this is a great riff. I'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. I actually blocked out the time, like an hour a day to sit down and really work through it and see if I could, you know, actually create a song. And it's happened a couple times and I've been like, huh. Well, this didn't suck, which for me is a win. <laughs> can listen to my own stuff. Yeah, I think anytime when you're creating something and you kind of go through those different phases of like, oh, this could be cool. This isn't bad. And then you like it for 10 minutes and then you come back to it the next day and you're like, this sucks. You know, and then it sits and you let it marinate a little while longer and some brilliant idea hits you in the shower And then you sit back down and you work on it and you're like, and then you kind of see how it all comes together. And Mm -hmm. then it's like, oh, this is how it works. Uh, Do you have to like get everything out as soon as possible so you don't lose anything? Or are you able to comfortably let it soak in there for a bit, come out with something? Because I sometimes I just if I need the pad of paper, I need my phone notes app. I got to just it's got to all come out now. Don't bug me let it out, and then I can move on. Yeah, I've got to 
document it right then and there or mm-hmm. it will totally go away. And that's the worst, like at 3 a.m. You're like, oh, I'll remember it. I'll remember it. No. Like I've lost enough things that I know. I just yeah. roll over and grab my phone and make a note and then – it's like the tooth fairy or something came, the idea fairy. When you wake up and you're like, oh, yeah, I wrote something down. What was that? Like it has to be as it is in this moment right now, word for word. And then in the morning I'll back and I'll trim it up. But yeah, no, yeah. I feel like that's a constant thing with a lot of people with careers. Like, nope, just stop the world right now till this thing is out of my brain and we'll move on. My wife has a hard time understanding that, but she lets me go with it. That's lot, good. I, I can totally relate to that. Yeah, it's bad. Speaking of songwriting stuff, and that we're talking about Star Wars in a little bit here, you recently wrote a Star Wars-inspired song. I did. So I have a friend, Anthony Barr, who sent me this super cool comic book because he knows that I love Princess Leia. And we'd kind of been talking back and forth on Facebook about some Star Wars stuff. And so he sends me this, and in the note in the package, he's like, hey, do you think you could incorporate this story into a song? And I was like, that's a cool idea. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things that just, like, I thought about it, and then nothing happened. And then I'm laying in bed, and, like, the first (laughs) verse, or what I think could maybe be a verse or part of a chorus, pops in. I'm like, write that shit down. (laughs) (laughs) It has begun. It has begun. Yeah. And then I struggled because within the Star Wars story, there's so many ways that you could take this Mm -hmm. and and so many different viewpoints. And I kind of finally just landed on that overall theme of hope and don't give up the fight. And that was kind of the, the chorus of the song. And then just reverse engineered it a little bit into what each verse was going to be to support that. But it basically started out with, hey, princess, you can't go home now because the world as you know it has been blown to bits. There you go. Yes. (laughs) So we know now where it takes place. Yes. (laughs) We got a timeline. You firmly set it there. Got it. That's where we start. Got it. Alderaan no more. Taking your music, jumping ahead. Where did your appreciation or desire to get into podcasting and producing your own begin? Like where did that, was it listening? Was it? natural no it actually started with a couple of nuns but it is music related all right so after i had this epiphany to you know quit my job and figure out what i wanted to be when i grew up i have a friend and he was like hey jen i know that you can write music i have these friends that are nuns that do a podcast and i want to gift them custom theme music for christmas would you write it and i was like dude if you're gonna write me a check i'll figure it out yeah i don't know what it's gonna sound like (laughs) and I'd only listened to a couple of podcasts up to that point. So I remember listening to Otis Gibbs, Thanks for Giving a Damn. And I'd listened to some other podcasts here and there, but it wasn't like podcasting is right now. Right. But I was like, yeah, I'll I'll give this a shot. And so he connected us and the theme music project worked well. And that turned into, hey, since you know how to do this audio stuff, would you edit our show? That wasn't on the radar, but... Okay. And again, they're going to write me a check. And I'm like, I can figure this out. Sign How it. How hard can it We're be? Yeah. Right? And the more I listened to it, the more I just absolutely fell in love with podcasting. And I was like, I want to podcast. I want right. to learn all the things. This is amazing that you can just sit and have these conversations with people from all over the world and hear these really cool stories and different perspectives and experiences on things. And it's just, it completely just opened my world up and really changed my life and the whole trajectory of my professional career at that point. It's a big, (laughs) for you, yes, Yes. (laughs) that is what you do. Yeah. Did you start making your own show or did you like start just trying to be in the technical side, production side of everything first? Yeah, it kind of started with editing their show and then me just really wanting to learn more about the process. And I mean, I already had microphones and the stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like, why not? And I started the Brassy Broadcast and initially it started out, as we often do as creators, I couldn't find what I wanted to hear. So I'll just make that. Right. (laughs) And, And I wanted to hear more conversations with women in the music industry, not on the necessarily the artist and creative side, but on the business side, because I actually have a degree in music and business. That's what I went to school for. Yeah. And 
I just wasn't hearing those conversations. So I was like, I will go find them. And that's kind of what the Brassy broadcast started out as initially. And then it's really just, it's gone through multiple iterations over the last four or five years. Mm -hmm. And it's, I feel like I'm kind of in another transformational period with it right now. And it's kind of whatever I want it to be in that moment. Definitely. Where in your journey here, did you did you really get the good feeling or the drive that this was going to be sustainable, that you could do it, that, hey, this is going to possibly work? It was really when I started to just get referred and have other people contact me like, hey, could you edit my podcast? Hey, could you help me with launching my show? I know you know how to do all of the things. And it's funny because at the time I initially thought, oh, I've got to be online and you know that's where I'm going to focus all of my energy. But there was so much opportunity actually here mm-hmm. locally, even yeah. just with a lot of industry professionals and business owners that I know that I've been able to help them start. And then it's, I mean, so much of it's just been referral based. With the referral base and, and things like that, what does the Brassy Broadcasting Company offer that others don't? And I don't mean this is like a slam Unlike other yeah. companies, like Brad Shoemaker, he's <laughs> listening. But not so much a slam, but what uh, gives Brassy Broadcasting its own character and sense of identity that you would get from there? Well, I'm not as scary as Brad, for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Brad. I think what I've found is that, especially because I, I tend to work with a lot of women, mm-hmm. and so I think because my philosophy is start with what you have available to you. More mm-hmm. cables are more problems. So if you can get a good USB microphone and you've got a quiet place to record, then just do that. Yeah. And kind of let's get that baseline and then we can always get better. But what I find I do a lot of is just getting people out of their own way because they get so wrapped up in their heads. Well, it's got to have this and it's got to have this music and it's got to, bu- it doesn't have to do any of those things. Right. Just make the thing and then we'll fix it and we'll make it better. And mm-hmm. let's let's do that rather than, you know, you've got to have it all figured out from the start. I mean, that's really kind of not that fun anyway. No, it's have a plan, but it's going to evolve, right? Exactly. Like yeah. yeah. No, that's what I always tell people, like, just start, just go. I Like, I may not like what you're putting out, but put it out there, right. you know? Like, there's a lot of over... I'm an overthinker with stuff. Like, I Same. like to have this plan. But now that, like, when I, I did this show, I knew that, like, it's not going to be what it was when it started in mm-hmm. a couple of years. Like, I know yeah. that now. I do like your mantra, like you have on your site, too. One of my favorite ones was, and I think this should apply everywhere in life but going beyond your comfort zone if you don't go beyond your comfort zone like you're not going to get anywhere like that's one of your things and i truly truly think that's great like when if what helped you beyond your comfort zone getting to where you're at now a lot of it was starting to train brazilian (laughs) jiu-jitsu a couple years ago like if there's anything that will get you out of your comfort zone wrestling around on the ground with strangers that'll do it god and you have a podcast about that similar now I, I do and I co-host it with my coach it actually started out I just kind of incorporated it into the brassy broadcast and it started out as just its own little mini series and I called it my awkward Brazilian jiu-jitsu journal because I knew I just had that gut feeling that this was going to turn into something I didn't know what it was but I felt the need to document it And it's funny because I can see where I would learn these lessons in class and on the mat. And that's really kind of just the physical manifestation of whatever head trash I have going on, usually. (laughs) 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 Well, you got your butt smoked today because of this and, you know, your bad attitude, basically. (laughs) (laughs) But and again, it was that. I couldn't find the podcast that I wanted to listen to mm-hmm. about jujitsu right. because they were like three hours long and it was all these dudes talking about stuff that like I was brand new. I didn't know the terminology and what all the stuff was. I was like, okay, so I'll just make it and my coach can co-host it with me because she knows all the stuff. She brings the answers mm-hmm. and I bring a lot of that curiosity to it. Like, I'm never going to be the expert, but I can ask you questions about it all day long. And it's worked out really well. It's been a big part. Like, we can kind of see the community Mm -hmm. 
we've got a Facebook group. We get a lot of direct messages in our Instagram. And it's really been cool just to connect with women all over the world that may not have any other women training in their gym. Yeah. But they've got this podcast or they've got this Facebook community. And it's been really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. You you had a key point in there that just hit my brain. Sorry to go to the side (laughs) for a second. But podcast links... You mentioned three hour, but like, what what do you think's too long for somebody doing a podcast? Like, do you think because podcast gives you an unlimited ability to just however long you want? It could be ten minutes, it could be three hours, but yeah. What do you think is like from listeners? What do you know in your experience that they want? I think it depends on the show and what that listener wants out of it. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to walk the dog and. I just want to maybe learn something or be inspired about something. Mm-hmm. I'll probably put on Brene Brown because she's like usually about an hour. Right. And and the conversations are interesting. If I'm looking for something, maybe I want to learn something to incorporate into my business or self-development. Mm-hmm. If it goes 20 or 30 minutes and like they just get to the point and get at it, that's great. Mm-hmm. If they can tell me the same thing in 10 minutes <laughs> and send me on my way, yeah. then that's fine too. I think my bigger issue with a lot of those like three hour episodes is, you know, they're not edited. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. If you can keep my attention for three hours or make me want to hit play again the next time I go walk the dog or get in the car to drive somewhere like back in the day when we used to do that, then great. (laughs) If you can hold my attention for three hours. But I feel like most of the time that's not the case. Yeah, because there's a lot of those long ones. I'm just like, why? And... So somebody was into one thing of my podcast here, and I recommend, hey, go listen to, check out my regular episodes. Pretty fun. And they were like, I did it, and I think it was good, but it was a little long for my taste, and it was like a 55-minute episode, which I'm like, all right. I was like, well, you know, there's notes where they tell you you can skip to here, here, and here, and there's different. Oh, I didn't know that. I'll try that next time. Okay. So it can be a shorter show for you if you want. (laughs) I was like, oh, man, six minutes by one of my former guests, Mike Vanderbilt, he did like a three-hour episode on like Jason X or Jason Goes to Hell, the movie. And I'm like, that's like twice as long as the movie, man. <laughs> and he's great. I'd listen to him talk forever. I haven't listened to that episode. But man, that's just, I'm just thinking, I'm like, I see that length and I'm like, now <laughs> I, yeah. I pass it on. Unless you're doing like a really well-produced production. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I do film commentaries once a month and those run as long as the movie, but they're meant to be either synced with the movie but they're still good conversation uh if you're not watching but that's why they're that long so i get that but yeah yeah length has always been an interesting thing to me some people but probably depends on the person too yeah i think so much of that is just driven by the listener and and what they want out of the experience yeah yeah i just i i don't know i try to do a 40 to 60 minute operation but if i think the content is longer and it's worth it i'll do it but yeah which I've done a couple times here. Back to you. Before we head on Star Wars, what are some like career highlights in podcasting? Like in your perspective, what does some of your biggest success look like? That as a podcaster, people would understand, or if people like just looking around at you would would see great moments in brassy broadcast history. I think it's less about what I've done and more about some of the shows that I've worked on and the impact that I see them having, Mm -hmm. that's really exciting for me because then it feels like you're just a part of something way bigger than you. Okay. For example, with Sister Maxine and working on A Nun's Life Ministry, they hit over a million downloads. Dang. I mean, and they've, (laughs) they've been podcasting forever. I mean, like old school. And to be like, oh, yeah. I worked on that. Like, I was a little piece of that, you know? (laughs) I was Um, the third nun. (laughs) I just got to make the edits. And I've got another client that I work with. Her name is Haley Radke, and she hosts a podcast called Adoptees On, and it's for adoptees from the adoptee experience. Okay. And just some of the conversations, she's such a platform for other adoptees to really come out and share their story and what their experience has been like. And Mm -hmm. just to hear some of the feedback that she's gotten and and how she's helped people and how it's really grown, it's like, oh, yeah, I get to be a piece of that and and help get that out into the world. 
So that I feel like that's my biggest excitement and contribution. Wonderful. Is there any niches you think could be hit that aren't getting touched on right now that someone could zap in there and take some success? Maybe if somebody would start a true crime podcast. Oh, yeah. Right. I, th- right. I think that is ripe right there. Right. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. I've um, never heard of that. True crime. I, <laughs> I've heard of false crimes, but I'm not, not too big up on true crimes, like the ones that really happen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Look into that. I I have some, I know some housewives in their 40s that are itching to solve mysteries, so I may team up with that. I did see, my favorite tweets of this year has been like, I hope if I'm murdered 10 years down the road, some bored housewives in their or 40s solve my death or something like that. I was like, you know why? I think it's because we grew up with Scooby-Doo. You think? I think that's I think that's the whole cause of it. There you go. Like we all want the mystery machine. We all want to solve the crime, and you know, we all want to be the meddling kids. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we do. We do that, or I don't know. I had unsolved mysteries that used to scare the crap out of me growing up. Some of yeah. those, maybe, or yeah, Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo, the cold case. <laughs> they should make us cold case Scooby Doo. That's where they should go now. The mystery machine is their podcast studio. <laughs> <laughs> they could oh my gosh yes I'm, I'm going somewhere with this yeah i don't know we just found it we just found the new genre yes like shaggy runs the mixer he's not really on the show right that's what they do that's what they do and yeah. oh gosh yeah and then uh, scrappy Doo fits into this somewhere down the line but we're not ready for him yet no no we need some more development when we wanted to get canceled we'll throw him in <laughs> Hey, CBS, what's coming on? Friday, blast off to a galaxy far, far away. It's the Star Wars Holiday Special, starring all your Star Wars favorites. Will Chewbacca get home to his planet in time for the big Wookiee holiday celebration? Watch and find out. Join us for a far out Friday beginning at 8, 7 Central and Mountain. The Star Wars holiday special was directed by Steve Binder and David Acamba, who quit after shooting the B. Arthur and Jefferson Starship musical numbers. It was written by the Bruce Valanche, <laughs> Rod Warren, Pat Croft, Leonard Rips, Mitzi Welsh, and George Lucas contributed an idea. And it stars, <laughs> well, let's let the program tell you. Special. Starring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. With Anthony Daniels as C3PO. Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca. R2D2 as R2D2. And James Earl Jones as the voice of Darth Vader. Introducing Chewbacca's family. His wife, Mala. His father, Itchy. His son, Lumpy. With special guest stars. Arthur, Art Carney, Diane Carroll, the Jefferson Starship, Harvey Corman, and an animated Star Wars story on the Star Wars Holiday Special. Broadcast on November 17th, 1978 on CBS. The Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman were bumped that night for it. Sorry, Marvel and DC fans. It did not happen. 
This TV special was made to keep Star Wars in the minds of everyone, and George Lucas and company were busy prepping The Empire Strikes Back and moving their production offices when this happened, so they weren't very involved, but trusted those they hired to do this. Lucas wanted a, he thought of doing a Wookiee-heavy movie, but decided to do it here, and... That's about all the contribution he had. And when people came, I think Bruce Valanche was like, we can't have just Wookiees speaking Wookiees to each other. And Lucas kind of was like, no, we will. And at this time, this dude just made the biggest film of all time. Right. (laughs) He's not going to get the word no said to him. So, yeah, I... This is four years before I was born. Oh, I wow. I did not see it when it aired. I did not see it till way later... I didn't, well, I didn't find out about it till like, I think probably the late 90s or so. Did you watch this when it aired? No, or, and or, I was oh, seven, well, seven when it aired, and I had seen Star Wars. I had I asked my mom about it. I was like, did, I, did we watch this because it's really bad? She said, no, I don't, re-, and she would have remembered. Mm-hmm. And she was like, nope, you didn't watch it. I thought, well, thank you, because that was some solid parenting yeah. right there. My, my, the thing I like about bringing you on for this is this is fresh to you. You have no built-up resentment to it. No. This is brand. This is fresh takes. This is new. I like this. This may not. This is not the only conversation that's ever taken place about this. It's this not is, the first time on a podcast, but this is our time to talk about it. And um, I feel like we should try to find the. I mean, it is the holiday season. We should try to find the joy in it. The joy. Oh. Uh, I think we're going to agree one part's fine. The rest, well, we'll we'll chat. Let's go back. Like, So people listening, I don't know your ages. I'm going to guess you skew older if you're listening to me because I, I don't think I'm good with the kids. Variety show specials used to be a regular occurrence on televisions. Like in the 70s, I grew up on the hangover of them in the 80s a bit. They've died pretty much, but this was a thing. Like this wasn't just Star Wars doing something goofy. These things look like this, like all the time. There was like holiday ones, oh, all yeah. kinds of. There was even just regular shows through the week that would follow a format like the like laugh, laughing, hee haw, brothers, brothers, Carol Burnett. Carol, yes, yeah. You might also, if you're checking out holiday specials, check out the Carpenters. Oh, that's good stuff that's right good there. St- oh yeah, that's yeah. a classic. Another one. recommendation. <laughs> And it's better than this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> these things were just, I don't know what. It was like loud. It was very theatrical. Wanted to showcase music and dancing and make it into something story-wise. It just, I don't know how these things worked. I don't know how they were popular, but people watched them, damn it. And they the, love them. Oh, and yeah, they love them. I mean, I had high hopes because, you know, we've got Carrie Fisher. We've got <laughs> B. Arthur. Yes. Golden Girl. We've got... Diane Carroll yeah. and Harvey Corman and Fabulous Costumes by Bob Mackey. Yes. For those of you that don't know, Bob Mackey did Carol Burnett costumes. Like he was oh, the guy. They had the top of the line people yeah. to make this thing. Right. Like it I mean, he was up and coming at the time, but Stan Winston designed the Wookiee family for this. Like the guy who made the Alien and Aliens. He did Pumpkinhead. He's Terminator like guy yeah yeah legend even even down to the the person who so kenny baker the only person that didn't come back for this r2d2 was remote controlled but the remote controller was mick garris who's a director did a lot of stephen king's he directed like critters 2 he directed the stand he's a well-known director and big horror name and horror he's our remote controlling R2-D2. Like, that's how talented the group is here. Mm-hmm. It starts with Han and Chewie and footage from the original movie escaping some TIE fighters trying to get home to Chewie's family for life day. And after that, we're, we. this is the first time we see Kashyyyk, the Wookiee planet. Mm-hmm. We meet Mala, Lumpy, and Itchy. And it's Chewie's family. It's his father, his wife and son and people have since renamed these to be like oh those are their nicknames i'm like i'm pretty fucking sure (laughs) that script reads lumpy mala itchy and doesn't say short for right at all (laughs) at all so we gotta watch them hang out for like 12 minutes 
with no people talking, no human words, just <laughs> yeah. Imagine you're one of the like five people that didn't see Star Wars the year before, and you flip on during this to CBS. Would you ever watch CBS again? No, no what? CBS, no Star Wars, nothing. Like never. S is endurance. I mean, there's no subtitles. There's no real good visual language going on. No. And they're creepy looking. You know, so this was a conversation I had with my wife because she watched a little bit, Mm -hmm. maybe five minutes of it. And Chewie's kid, I was like, who does he look like? And it's the, um, is it Shaka from Land of the Lost? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And she nailed that. She's like, Land of the Lost. I'm like, oh, yeah. Nice work. (laughs) <laughs> and, and his father's a thing of nightmares are made of. Like he's like he's got this scowl, and he's like, Arr. yeah. Man. Like I, I kind of feel like Wookies generally look like friendly folk, and he did yeah. not. Yeah, they did not carry these designs to later <laughs> entries of Star Wars. And I mean, we're in the treehouse. Just it, it's just I'm like, what is happening? Is someone going to enter? Is someone late on their queue? When does somebody talk? And, it was odd. And we even, like, so Lumpy, he, like, pulls out this thing. And we watch this hologram minstrel carny show thing. <laughs> like, this is during this. And I'm like, oh, are one of them going to? Nope. Nope. No. Oh, that was weird. But I would I buy, knew we were in trouble then. I would buy an entire action figure set of these things. <laughs> if they ever made them. Just to be like, yeah, I have the holiday special hologram dancer things. <laughs> It's so, and then finally, like they call Luke Skywalker and be like, "You guys, you guys know him, right?" Well, here he is. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird and disconnected. Like I don't, it doesn't feel like Mark Hamill knew what he was talking to when he did it, and it doesn't. It's it's like what's he talking? He's just talking to air, like not a calm, not enough. And his hair's really golden. It was, <laughs> it was yeah. Oh, it was weird. I just felt very confused for like those first 12 minutes. Like what is, what's the point of this? At what point between movies was he introduced to Chewie's family? When did this? Mm -hmm. And it was funny, like this family man goes out with this pirate smuggler guy throughout the year and brings home the bacon. Is that what we're supposed to believe here? I think so. I think that's how it works. That's Oh my gosh. And then he goes away and then we get like, is it Art Carney? Is a this guy and most of these guest stars they give performances like they do not give into this universe and they're all stagey and like well I'm here mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. a character I'm myself <laughs> like that's oh. I think the best that for me the standout performance in the in the first part of this was Harvey Corman mm. when he was like the space Julia Child right yeah 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 because I saw like early Mrs Doubtfire. Oh yeah. In this yes. character. Yeah. Oh gosh. I I saw that and I was like dream cosplay at a convention right there. Yes. I would love to be that. With the hair when the hair's messed up and all the arms are out. I'm yeah. Like, that's what I want to be. I would Oh yeah, my Yeah, that was a highlight for me early on. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, and he shows up 3 times mm-hmm. as different people. That's probably the best one of yeah. of all 3. Art Carney, he's this, like, apparently he was a, his name's Son Don, and he was apparently an early prototype for Lando Calrissian. Well, they were, really? Like, yeah. Like, that was, like, a early idea for him. Whew, no. <laughs> yeah. He gives Itchy a virtual porn machine. <laughs> yeah. Weird. I didn't see that coming. Weird. What if you just edited the first part of it? Where all the wikis speak, and then you just go to that. Like it just, na- he just naturally went to sit to his little porn command center. And it's Diane Carroll, and it's gross and weird. I'm like, yeah, this is uncomfortable. And he like replaced her, being like, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. That is some weird '70s stuff going on there. Yeah, and she gives us her first song, mm-hmm. and it's this minute now. So it's called, and it sounds like a. Bad James Bond reject song. Like, <laughs> I like, yeah, like, yeah. This came from the pile of didn't make Octo Pussy or <laughs> For Your Eyes Only. Like, 
and it's just boring to look at too. It's yeah. It's before it's pre music video music video stuff that's just like well they want to see you like seeing the entire thing right mm-hmm. and it's been two minutes we'll change angles and yeah and we'll just whoo there's a change of excitement and a new level of boredom at the same time and it's <laughs> it's baffling and then the Jefferson Starship oh yeah performance equally and like maybe not as weird but it wasn't quite as uncomfortable but still mm-hmm. very odd. Maybe that's the best song in here by default. And it's just them playing hologrammy. We don't know what we're doing. There weren't music videos as we would know them yet, but like the Beatles were making stuff. Like there are, Elton John, there are music video-esque things before music mm-hmm. videos. These people did not know any of them. No. As no. These are, or there's no <laughs> budget, but this is just uninteresting music. I guess the visually the best one's the B. Arthur song because she's in... Oh, yeah, the cantina. Doing a stage song in the cantina, which is no longer dangerous feeling or anything (laughs) like that. (laughs) She's like, turn off the lights, the party's over. We're going. So sad. Just taking everything you know about Star Wars, weakening it. There's even a like a Princess Leia gets a little bit with C three PO. Yeah, she gets a like, song and there. Well, not before her song. Oh, Ooh, talk about her song. I'm just talking when they call her and she's like, I don't know where Chewie is either, but I'm sure he'll make it. This this has been Carrie Fisher signing off. Give me my check. Like like what is it like? And Hansel like the whole the three actors from the movie the trifecta that you want are just here to say Chewie's on the way yeah I don't know where he is (laughs) and it's like oh there's Mark Hamill I've been waiting for him to tell me we're waiting Mm -hmm. and we get mixed with like there's clips from the movies there's even a Darth Vader appearance which is just a scene from the movie redubbed yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna get those Wookiees on life day ah Oh, so scary. Like, featuring the voice of James Earl Jones. (laughs) But one of the bright spots was the cartoon. That is, the bright spot is the uh, the faithful (laughs) Wookiee. That's what it's called. (laughs) And... This yeah, this is cool. I'm I'm down with this. This is uh, yeah. the introduction of Boba Fett. They didn't know what color he was going to be, so they guessed. <laughs> but that's fine. It gives it a little, a nice, unique feel. It's a simple little story, but I liked it. But I, a story. I, but a a story. This this is clear compared to. <laughs> oh, but yeah, this this is notorious. This is like known as the best thing from this is the the Boba Fett cartoon and. I was meant to introduce this villain from the next movie, which obviously you can see they aren't clear on what he's going to kind of be because they're like, oh, it's Darth Vader's right-hand man. It's like, no, he's a bounty hunter. He just hires him. But there there was a whole... Have you ever read the J.W. Rensselaer Star Wars books? No, I haven't. So if you're a big Star Wars fan, there are these coffee table books, and I've talked about them on here before, and I will always talk about them because they're amazing. <laughs> Because a lot of people, big Star Wars fans, and then argue about things that they don't understand with Star Wars. But I think this this shows us clearly, this whole sh- special and stuff, George Lucas was indeed making stuff up as he went along. He had <laughs> ideas. Some saw through, some changed. Some th- but these books, this guy got to go into the vaults at Lucasfilm and took all the notes, tape recordings, all these conversations, and he documents making Star Wars from George being buds with coppola to you know through american graffiti and all those as he builds star wars and he has got tape meetings meeting notes all this stuff and there's shit's crazy it's like whoa darth vader was never planned as luke's father like there was a script by lee brackett where the ghost of anakin visits him on dagobah and like there's all sorts of crazy stuff like he wasn't his father to like the last draft and lucas changed his mind about stuff and boba fett there was ideas for him to be the villain of the... Like, Star Wars wasn't going to end at three. It was going to just, like, keep going. And Boba Fett was going to be the villain of the third film. Vader would be out for that one. And it would give Harrison Ford a film off if they were chasing Boba Fett to fight it. But then that that changed even before they went to shoot Empire or we got that finished. Uh, but that was the idea that Boba Fett would be a... They need someone cool like Darth Vader, give him a film, make the story extend. Luke was going to have a sister. It wasn't Leia. <laughs> to someone on a far planet but when they decided somewhere in the production of empire pre-production they decided they were going to make it just three a lot of things changed obviously here boba fett is teasing to be more than what he 
would end up being, but this is still cool. And you got these crazy weird dinosaur he's riding. Yeah. Like that's weird. No, and, and Han Solo Han Solo's animation is really weird. He's got the long face, but <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. But th- that company is called Novana Studios, and they're from Canada. And obviously Lucasfilm was happy with them because they ended up doing the droids cartoon, the Ewoks cartoon. But if you want to know, maybe aside from Star Wars, what they've done, they did Strawberry Shortcake, the Care Bears, the movie nice. Ro- Rock and Rule, Inspector Gadget, Mad Balls, My Pet Monster, Babar, Beetlejuice, The Magic School Bus. And currently they've done the series version of the Hotel Transylvanias and the new Thomas and Friends. They've rebooted Thomas and Friends. The trailer. Oh, there you so go. They're pretty big business. Sounds like it. This did not tank them. They no. Were, <laughs> they were the, the champions of the Star Wars holiday special. Somebody had to be. Yes. But everybody ends up getting together for Life Day. They yes. make it. They walk through some glowy thing through space and wind up at through the tree of life, whatever. Yeah. And yeah, and then Princess Leia sings a song. Yay! Hey, yay! To the Star Wars theme, which I guess yeah. Carrie Fisher was adamant she sings something in this. Yeah, that's what I read, you know, in all of my deep Google research. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's got pipes. We she does. um we watched I think it's her wishful drinking okay. one woman show. And it was great. And she sings. And hmm. I mean, why wouldn't she? She's insanely you know? talented. I think yeah. it goes by the way. I think people don't realize, you know, like Harrison Ford became a mega star after this. You know, George Lucas is one of the biggest producers of all time, technical genius. And I don't think people realize like I think that shadow looms large over Mark. Hamill and Carrie Fisher's careers, but she, mm-hmm. you know, Mark Hamill became one of the most prominent voice actors in animations, and he didn't, his film career wasn't, you know, but he ended up, he worked with Carpenter a couple times, John Carpenter a couple times, did a lot of his own things. Carrie Fisher, like, script, like, her name isn't on probably 80% of the script she's touched. Mm-hmm. She's She starred in, I mean, she had good parts in, like, Woody Allen movies. She was in When Harry Met Sally, Blues Brother, like, she's got a pretty damn awesome career yeah. going that just you know because it's not big you know Harrison Ford is you know, <laughs> the, you know it's not the same but they were high demand people and had very great careers and mo- very beloved but yeah she could she could sing uh, I don't think this is the song she would like to be remembered for probably not <laughs> and for geeky Star Wars stuff there is footage in here from Tatooine scenes that never made the film. So there's like little really? walking. When you see people walking around Tatooine, there are some cuts in there that weren't that weren't used for the film. So. And this another, is another bright spot. I I always as a Star Wars fan, I'm fascinated with certain periods and people's ideas. Like this is Star Wars after one movie. So this is what people only know one movie, the ideas the future is endless like it's guys limit there's no more there's no rule set after this so you you only have to follow what this is and what people think it's it's just very interesting to be and then there's a book called splinter of the mind's eye that comes in in this this spot which is based off a treatment that george lucas had in case star wars bombed he still wanted to continue but it would be a much lower budget adventure it only has Luke and Leia and C-3PO and R2 and they crash land on a planet. They're stuck there and they got to get out and Vader shows up. Very low rent stuff, but it got turned into a novel. It got released in this time. And just interesting to see what people think of Force, how people see all these things without these rules that would hardcore come in the next one, then after. And then I like in the the 90s with the, the Timothy Zahn books and the comics, like what people would think about Star Wars before the prequels come out and add more stuff. So it's always... Interesting to see these takes before something comes and says, no, it wasn't this. But yeah, it's always fascinating to me when the options are a little bit more intriguing or when you only have this to base off of. Like Timothy Zahn, for instance, his novels were first. His trilogy, like there was the first licensed continuation novels. And all he has is the three movies to look back on. After that, you know, you have his novels to look back on. Then you have the novels after and these novels. But right there, it's just a Interesting to see these points where people don't know what's on George's mind later. Yeah. But, I don't know. This is clearly one of the <laughs> Ooh. So you're gonna make this a holiday tradition now? No. no. Absolutely not. 
Oh, got you. Have you seen the new Lego one? No, I haven't watched it yet. It also sucks. Uh, you know what? Thank you for saving me it's from a, watching it. It's like a five-minute robot chicken sketch stretched out to 48 minutes. So okay. like, funny idea there. And it's all going after low-hanging fruit jokes. I wanted, I was optimistic, and then I'm like, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then it's obsessed with Star Wars nostalgia. And it's like, mm. okay, yep, I remember, yeah, I remember that scene too. Yep, I remember, yeah, I remember when he said that. So I don't know. If you like it, let Lego Star Wars movie, come on, bring the hate. Fine. <laughs> I'm fine with my opinion on it. I hate dumping on something that's clearly for children, but. <laughs> The Star Wars Holiday Set Special lives in infamy, still not released on any home video format. I, Except for the Boba Fett cartoon was a Easter egg on the Star Wars Blu-ray set released in 2011. So that's in good quality. But the time has come. Release it. Embrace your embarrassments of the past. It's been now 42 years. Let's, wow. I would, like to see it. I would like to see it. In good quality. Let's get people to talk about it on a bonus feature. Why not? Let's have fun. Yeah, I think Let's, we. Yeah, we need to have fun with it. Stop taking Star Wars too seriously. Let's <laughs> let's have fun. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't mean the Mandalorian is any less good if this thing is available. Right. <laughs> I mean, if it's on YouTube and stuff, you might as well just get, like people can see it. It's not hidden anymore. Right. Yeah. Yes. So that's my wish. That's a good um, wish. <laughs> What else? This is where we talk about any other kind of media or anything we've been taking in or something maybe we've put out in the world recently and we'd like you to check out. So, Jen, what else? Yes. As far as media that I've been taking in, it's it's been a lot of the new Taylor Swift record. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, like even if you think about storytelling and, and podcasting and, and all of these things, I was listening to, so she's got a song called, I think it's No Body, No Crime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're back to true crime and she's taken, you know, like a 60 minute dateline and squeezed it into three and a half minutes. And it's brilliant. Oh, wow. Like the way that she's able to tell this story. Mm-hmm. And I've just really I'm just completely enamored with her songwriting right now and how they put this record together, working in remote locations and the collaboration and just all that geeky music stuff behind it. Excellent. Mm hmm. Great. I haven't checked it out yet. Are you talking about the one that just came out, not the one that was just out before? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I love that spurn of creativity, just putting it out there. It's great. Yeah. Me, I recently watched The Sound of Metal, which is on Amazon Prime. It is, which previous guest Chelsea Christer talked about. It is, do you know about this movie? No, tell me more. All right. So it's got Risa Med. He is, uh, he was in a Star Wars movie. He was in Rogue One. He was- Nice. Bodhi, the guy who uh, defected from the Empire. So he plays a drummer in this little heavy metal duo. It's him and his girlfriend, and he loses his hearing, and it's about him having to deal with just acceptance of his situation, and he ends up he ends up at this uh, community in this like farm for deaf people where he's supposed to learn, and it's just about his... It's really... Tough, but it's about his struggle to learn to cope or in his denials and stuff. And it's his performance is just off the charts. And they've been talking Oscar for him. And oh, I wow. don't, de- don't deny, although my boy Delro Lindo in the Five Bloods, I really think it's his time too. So maybe he goes supporting and Risa Meg goes best actor. But this is, ooh, it's good stuff. And it just makes you think about yourself if you're like creator and like what if you lost one of your most important senses mm-hmm. to and like how would you learn to live life? What would your trajectory be after that? Or would you be happy with certain fixes? And like it's really interesting. Like and it, it feels honest. That's That's the really great thing about it. But I think it's one of the best movies of the year. And it's, check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. If you got Amazon Prime, it's great. Also, want to point out my top 10 Blu-rays and top 10 4K Ultra HDs of the year posted on Friday. And so you can go check those out. I can't tell you about much about it right now because I'm recording this before that Friday <laughs> and I have not finished. I've got my list weeded down, but I have not written or recorded a video of 
that yet. But check it out because in the future from now it's happened, but for you in the past, it's in the past. All right. So that's good. Well, that'll do it for this installment. And Jen, saying this was fun is a total understatement. But it's been a blast. And thank you for coming on. Uh, let people know where they can find you around the interwebs and whatnot. I am always hanging out on Instagram at Brassy Broad Jen. That is the best way to find me. All right. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD, written work at YSOBlue.com. Tomorrow, I've got more Star Wars for you with an out-now commentary for The Force Awakens. And until then, always remember, keep the positivity in your online film discussion. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at thebrandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at thebrandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening.